Hi. In recording in progress. Council member Linda Mayo no, no, began well. engaging you? the North Greg, Berkeley Kevin, community about SJGG. Yes, we're here on a Saturday. Bart site. Uh, and over the, over the <clears> years, some other folks are up detail, with me in New York too. Um, the there have been many milestones along the way. Hi. Um, and a great deal of community ah, engagement. Here and as I well. want to recognize and appreciate. I think the, the hundreds uh, of thousands of community members who gimbal is a participated to help shape the future of development. I did some rebalancing. Seems at like this site, uh, the milestone today is really a, a very problems. important one. It is perhaps Alexander the, Great. the last action by City Actually, Council Alexander the regulatory here. function to, for the future of, of development Jonas. at this site. And so we're really pleased to, uh, to be presenting Saturday this work to you this afternoon. And I'm not going <clears> to <throat> I'm now going to turn it over to Alyssa. Brendo, good morning. Uh, good afternoon, Mayor Herodine and members of the City Council. Elisa Shen, Principal Deanna Planner with the, the Planning and Development Department. If we could, we'd like Chris Sensen and get Ramey and Associates to share this slideshow. Okay. Thank you so much problem. for your assistance with this. Um, good. So next slide, please. Great. Of Tonight, note, I did uh, find that there was Chris a firmware update for the, the draft objective design standards for the North Berkeley Building. Station area Hopefully for consideration and approval by the City Council. I'm going to briefly provide context for DTUK the objective design standards, and then Chris Sensenig uh, of Ramey and Associates will walk you through the draft standards, and I'll conclude with some considerations. Kevin, we're just walking today. Discussion. I try to be mindful and not preparing the objective design standards. The is title, and reference is part of a much longer so collaborative effort between the city and BART to construct housing and complementary uses at the Ashley From November, yes, I heard open plumbing to go to areas. Which means and some Dave of the critical milestones to get us to this <clears> point <throat> are shown on this slide, on. starting with the first city and yeah, BART so memorandum signed in March 2020. Skies development clear. team last December. It's a nice day. And many of these documents uh, form the framework for the objective design standards, and I'll briefly touch upon <clears> them <throat> as <clears throat> Council <throat> has previously discussed Fatima, them in great hello. detail. Next slide, please. It's a walk bike zone. There is the city's zoning, uh, the RBMU zoning, and the city's jo and BART's joint vision and priorities for the Ashby and North Berkeley BART sites, which were developed sure we start off in a public process that included a community views. advisory group, community uh, meetings, and were adopted by city council the, in June of 2022. And there is also uh, the city and BART's memorandum of agreement. Adopted, approved in June 2022, which yeah, like elaborates the on the joint vision priorities and includes minimum project right requirements, it. such as a project that's that not has a very at good, least uh, a thousand bedrooms and, for example, a minimum right of 35 percent affordable housing. The MOA also lays anyway. out a process by which Laura M is here. Um, the city will prepare objective design standards uh, that will ultimately come before city council Ronald, for yes, consideration and adoption and, hello. and in addition to the adopted zoning policies day, so and agreements state laws well. such as the state density bonus and project morning. feasibility also constrain and inform so happy, the objective happy design October, standards yes. The city initiated the process to develop well, objective design in, standards with a community meeting last November throughout Morel, 2023 hey. 
city staff and the Checking development in, team in the have evening, been working right in, in parallel iterative processes. Saturday we had evening. public uh, community meetings in February, May, and September. At the September community meeting in Open House, here, I mean, the city and consultant staff uh, presented draft objective design standards for review and comment um, from the community and the North SJ Berkeley really so Housing again, Partners we're on Development the, um, Team I think presented we did well their draft reverse speedify. concept for the site. So normally what I do with Speedify is I... Um, I'd also, have a SIM card following that in October, the Planning Commission discussed draft, the, the draft objective Instead design standards and the, made a recommendation to Council. And I'm doing a primary. Which brings us to our uh, meeting tonight. And before SIM, I turn it over to Chris Sensening to review the draft objective design Thanks standards, I wanted to step it's back okay. and touch briefly on the overall we'll, role we'll up in the of the design quick. standards for future <clears> development. Best on, I took the my goal of the objective design standards is to effectively balance pockets. and synthesize the joint vision Plus of priorities, the, the zoning, the memorandum of agreement, community input that we've received, and take into consideration site in constraints case. into the standards that will guide development. And these standards play Around an important morning. role in ensuring Let's that the project aligns with the joint vision and priorities, uh, goals and priorities, while also balancing priorities that that may compete, such as both, for example, maximizing the number of new homes and considering the scale and character of the surrounding environment. As we've noted, Greenpoint, and Chris Brooklyn, will Island note City. also, there are trade-offs to the dimensions Process. and types of standards that we put well, on development. Okay. <laughs> it's on my left, but it's in your The objective design standards will apply to any future development project at the North Berkeley BART site, and staff will review uh, future applications for the site in compliance for compliance with the standards. There are many different ways to design a project that will Tugs fit within the standards uh, to help illustrate how the I objective standards it. could apply well, to an actual project. We'll be using some of the images yesterday. from the North Berkeley Housing uh, Partners development team's hey, actual proposed project occasion. that they presented uh, during the community, house in uh, community open house in September. Wait, so with that, I'm going to turn it over to Chris Sensenink. Thank you, Elisa, and has welcome appeared. everyone. I am here to give you an overview it might be a shiny. of part two um, of if the job objective design standards. There are also two sections, an introduction and an intent um, piece of the ODS. But before we get into the Argent's ODS, here. we would like to remind everyone of the neighborhood context. Here you can see the, the site. Gives you the site has a few constraints to development. The Traction Power Substation, Let's, or TPSS, uh, that is located, long located at the northwest corner of the site, is essential for BART service and requires a staging area for said, maintenance hey, and improvements. I missed it if you said it before, but the underground station that bisects the Just site diagonally for me, the chat puts additional constraints like three or four messages at a time. A zone of influence has been so it's identified quick to, um, for a 140 feet it's quick to wide area, especially if bot posts something, where so special foundations would be needed for development at a considerable extra where cost. We say there's no plan. Most developers will avoid there's building a no in plan this area. Kind of day. There's also a significant change in elevation across the site. Sacramento is approximately 14 to 18 really feet it. above the elevation of I'm Atkins Street, also depending on the location. Of Alice. 
That's another walking we'll start uh, with the public realm standards, which Very includes cinematic style. everything between building and street. With the intent to Apple establish smaller blocks, a good month for Apple access right? to the station and connect well. the Ohlone Greenway through the site, Girl loves hemp. the Let's ODS requires that big block connections are established from public uh, we streets to just the went south station. Of Kips Bay. These connections may be in the form of an access road like the East I guess we're still today, kind of on the edge of it. Or could be a pedestrian or a waterside plaza, which is a residential The draft ODS has proposed area. minimum dimensions for Upstairs, the they got their whole... They essentially got everything you need up here. on the location of the They have a supermarket, which is Mercedes, I think. They did have a diner before. I don't know if it reopened. I think they have everything. Gym, the, the pool, garage, tier two. They, they got what they need. And they are allowed to go yeah, through Walking Alice like is the full name of that channel, right? Bridges over I'm here. You're here. We're all here. Here we see the developer's design for the site. The mid-block connections take the form of the BART access road. The Ohlone Greenway and a neighborhood path SJ that says this is the best to go through the site. Now let's look at the existing the public streets talking about GTA 5. Future streetscape character. GTA 5, I, I hope they don't release any more versions of it. They've been releasing GTA 5 for like 35 years now. It has very That's few enough. street trees. The sidewalks will need to be redesigned. I don't know if they could milk that cow anymore. But I guess the draft ODS so proposed anyway. proposes improved like and boats are here. and also removing the right turn pocket on that. Nobody's street. out of a joyride. In addition to the sidewalk width and design, Wait. building Girl setbacks got upgrade pizza? the overall uh, I didn't see. Is that in Discord? Where is that? Building setbacks provide transitional spaces between public and private I'll spaces. I'll have to check that out. They also oh, she went through the Harry Potter store. Planting, stoops, Walking Alice did. Very cool. The RBN yeah, I've avoided going in there. Minimum setback width. When I was in uh, a minimum Florida, we went to the Harry Potter World there. Wasn't the not, not the, the whatever it's called at the amusement park. Within but five and fifteen feet of the property. My line. friend uh, likes to get the the dimensions for the sidewalk but, uh, width fire and building setback is a dance of trade-offs. Anyway, providing sidewalks and setbacks that I'm all blues. That's a good way to and also maximize the number of new homes on site. Here you can I'm see how the sidewalk design and building setbacks create the overall street. Maybe you can keep character. the rhyme going. What's the price the today? I don't know. I can't tell from this angle. Let me cross into the middle. Of North Looks like the detour guys are still redirecting foot traffic. The team reviewed city policy documents. Bit early for a hot dog, but I guess he's setting up. I don't know. Actually, I'm assuming he's going to serve the Virginia to 13 feet wide. The boat population if they're coming. Here, you know, I don't know if there's going to be boat tours today, but I don't know who else is going to be serving over there. Nobody really the building walks step by their tourist are set at the RBMU zoning minimum, depth of five feet. This creates a composite minimum right, we'll curb to building dimension of Cross left. Feet. Maybe we'll go through. I think Just I'm going to steer away from the river. Time to go to the city. But I was kind of going to go through projections here. Projections are allowed in the minimum building setback area. But we're done with the city. I mean, with this, with the river, I mean. Oh, I'm gonna wait for this. Up to the property line, which is at the back of the block. It also allows upper floor building projections. That attack is here. Simple learning the pores here. Area to project up to three feet into this minimum setback area. Text blacked out for the weekend. It's now Monday morning. No. I'm gonna move on now to the draft standards for building massing. We're safe. Kind of. To start with a kind of loud and rumbly car. The JVP calls for the has design a to focus trigger foot, density. I think. Oh, there we go. 
The minor breaks and modulations are required for continuous facade lengths greater than 60 feet. On this building, they take the form of bay windows. The ODS provides considerable amount of flexibility in building articulation and does not require bay windows, but is one way to meet the minor break standards. And here you can see the impact of requiring major and minor breaks on reducing the massing and scale of buildings. The JVP under building scale asks buildings to provide regular breaks in building forms and to have massing breaks and step downs in building forms to create a residential character and scale. All right, thank you. I want to acknowledge that this has been a very high level overview of the objective design standards and, and I'm happy to take more questions uh, today. Back to you, Elisa. Thank you, Chris. Next slide, please. Um, there have been many factors considered in developing the objective design standards before you today, and we've received a lot of input throughout the process. At a very high level, generally, the input called for maintaining or making the standards more restrictive or making the standards more permissive in order to allow for more flexibility and allow for more residential capacity. And in considering greatly more, uh, greatly restrict more restrictive standards, staff felt that there was a potential to reduce the amount of development capacity below the threshold required in the memorandum of agreement between the city and BART. The planning commission revised uh, the draft standards to allow for more flexibility. Next slide. The Planning Commission voted to recommend to the City Council to approve the objective design standards with specific revisions. And the revisions allow for more flexibility with respect to um, minimum required building setbacks, major breaks in buildings, um, the percentage of building exterior materials, and also uh, utility loading refuse uh, collection areas, as well as a new option to provide a minimum amount of ornamental facade detail in lieu of major or minor massing breaks. And these revisions are noted in uh, the staff report, as well as shown in attachment four of the, um, of the staff report packet, um, shown in underlined strike through, um, which, illustrates the changes from the October Planning Commission version of the standards to the standards that you have before you. And staff also made some additional minor non-substantive changes and provided this clean revised Exhibit A as part of Supplemental uh, Packet 2 to correct you know, uh, typos and, again, non-substantive edits. Next slide. So as noted earlier, the objective design standards before you represent a balancing act between potentially competing elements of the joint vision and priorities and other factors. And we wanna acknowledge that in a discussion about objective design standards, there's a measure of sub subjectivity and policy choices in setting those standards. Reasonable design professionals can disagree and there's no one right answer. There are many different ways to design a project that can fit within the objective design standards. Um, many factors impact the, the amount of development, like configuration of parking and building type on this very uh, complex site. And the objective design standards are just one factor. Thus, the staff recommendation for the City Council is to discuss the standards before 
for you today, receive public comment and to approve the objective design standards. Next. I just wanted to give you some information about next steps. Based on in what's been communicated from the development team, staff anticipates that the North Berkeley uh, Housing Partners will submit a development application that is eligible for ministerial review. And the development team's goal is to apply for the annual cycle of state affordable housing funding by the June 2024 deadline. And approval of land use entitlements is required for their application for 2024 state funding. Otherwise, the next opportunity to apply for funding would not be until the following year. With that, I will turn it back over uh, to Director Klein. Thank you. That concludes the staff presentation. Uh, back to you, Mayor Aragin. Thank you. We're joined this afternoon by BART Director Rebecca Saltzman. I'd like to turn the floor over to Director Saltzman uh, to provide some remarks to the council and the public on this item. Good afternoon. Thank you, Mayor Irrigan. Um, On behalf of BART, I'd like to thank the city for its multi-year partnership towards bringing beautiful and vibrant transit-oriented development to both the North Berkeley and Ashby BART stations. And I'd like to especially thank Mayor Irrigan and Councilmember Kesarwani for their leadership and partnership in tremendous hours of hard work on this to ensure that together we'll create a great place for new neighbors and for neighbors who already live near North Berkeley BART. I'd also like to recognize the close collaboration between city staff and BART staff to get us to this point. BART's committed to delivering housing and a great project at North Berkeley Station in collaboration with the city and with the highly qualified team that we selected together. The design and development team has done a fantastic job of listening to the community and incorporating the priorities expressed by neighbors. And out of the extensive community engagement process came the joint vision and priorities. And we believe that the objective design standards that are before you today do an excellent job of balancing the ambitious goals of the JVP and also responding to community input. Adoption of the objective design standards will enable the city to streamline approvals while reflecting the city's design goals. We support the staff recommendation and look forward to advancing this project with you. Thank you, Director Saltzman. Okay, I would now like to open the public hearing on item one, the North Berkeley BART Objective Design Standards. As noticed on the published agenda, um, if there are 10 or more speakers who would like to address this item, each speaker will be allotted a minute to address this item. But you can yield your minute to another speaker for a maximum of four minutes per speaker. Can I give a show of hands for members of the public here in the boardroom who would like to speak on this item? Can I get a show of hands of speakers on Zoom who would like to speak on this item? Please raise your hand if you wish to address item one. Okay, so um, once again, one minute, but you can yield your minute to another speaker um, for a maximum of four minutes per speaker. That's the maximum allotted time per speaker. Who would like to begin the public comment? Please come forward. And people can line up on this side of the room so we can um, facilitate public comment. Thank you. Good afternoon. 
My name is Jonathan Stern. I'm a 25-year Berkeley resident. I am also in, uh, work at Bridge Housing, and I've been leading the North Berkeley Housing Partnership team. Um, we were proud to selected to provide much-needed housing at the BART station, um, and we have spent 2023 listening to the community, going to meetings, designing, refining our concept that we presented to BART, and we uh, are, have really been engaged with this process. We've used over a dozen items we've heard in these public meetings. Um, after presenting a design in September, we've also been engaging with city staff to really hammer out a design consensus and ultimately a recordation of that in these objective design standards. Uh, it's design is one thing, pictures are one thing, words are another. Uh, so I've really been proud to work on this process project. Um, we believe that we've been re well received generally, though it is a big change at the BART station. And we have been proceeding since that September meeting to work on our design for an entitlement submittal, um, a funding package in early 24 that complies with all the density, setback, open space, and height requirements of this objective standard in front of you, including three-story edges. And I just want to thank the council and the staff. Thank you so much. Next speaker, please. Uh, thank you, Mayor and the Council. My name is Daniel Simons, a uh, longtime Berkeley resident. I've also been uh, lucky enough to lead the design team that's been working on North Berkeley BART. And uh, just wanted to sort of reiterate what um, what a great collaboration it's been between BART and the city um, and how proud we are of the objective design standards before you. Um, I work in a lot of jurisdictions uh, with a lot of different governing um, documents, and this one really allows a lot of flexibility for good design, um, but still making sure that it's going to be the kind of uh, development that the city of Berkeley will be really proud of. Um, as uh, the previous speaker said, there are a couple of modifications that we asked from the city, um, which were included in the current packet, and they're relatively minor. But in this world where feasibility is really difficult for affordable housing, having a certain degree of flexibility is critical. Um, and these changes give us that flexibility. So thank you very much. Hello, Council. My name is Yes Duffy, and I'm proud to be the local Berkeley BIPOC-led associate architecture firm, along with David Baker Architects on this diverse design team working at North Berkeley BART. I come from a proud multi-generational family of Berkeley-bred activists who have committed our, our careers to housing justice, workers' rights, public health, and nonprofits over decades. Now, I know it can sometimes, as architects, we can bury you in the opaque terminologies of articulating the massing, averaging the setbacks, FAR, and unit counts, but I hope that we can really keep our hearts centered on what matters most at this important issue of our time, providing more affordable homes in Berkeley. And this is just not just massing or units, these are homes. Every unit is a home. And even be more centered, units have multiple bedrooms and every bedroom is a home, a person's home. And as a diverse family that's been forced to scatter due to the multitude of housing crises in Berkeley over the decades, I'm the last one left of my brothers and sisters to advocate for affordable housing. I encourage you all to pass the ODS as you see it before you today. Thank you. Thank you. So my name is David Helfont, and I have worked with my colleague, El Elliot Abrams, uh, who is part of the design team that developed 4th Street, 
to come up with an alternative design that fits the neighborhood architecture rather than becomes a massive uh, attempt to construct uh, a lot of units. We've designed an alternative that reflects the architecture in the neighborhood, yet creates 1,000 bedrooms and 760 parking spaces. One thing we don't say enough in these uh, reviews is that the existing proposal from BART would create massive parking problems throughout the area in addition to creating an architectural uh, distinction that doesn't really represent the neighborhood. So I've created uh, a photograph of our drawings, and uh, I uh, am very happy to uh, leave them here for you to review. And uh, very much. Uh, I live within walking distance of North Berkeley BART, and I've attended almost all the outreach meetings about the objective design standards. And I've been pleased that the residents' concerns about the setbacks, massing, and building articulation appear to have been listened to. Now, all of a sudden, the rules are once again changing. The changes in the ODS being proposed are not minor tweaks. They essentially obliterate all the concerns that were expressed by the community about massing and setbacks. The entire modified ODS is littered with little bombshells that effectively neuter the concerns of the community. One relatively trivial change referring to building setbacks, I think is kind of revealing. The building setback section starts off with the admirable statement that building setbacks ensure smooth transition from public to private space, minimize building shadows on streets, create interesting streets facing frontages, and provide opportunities for landscaping. You can complete your thought. <clears throat> that was one minute? Yes. <clears throat> okay, well, <clears throat> surprise under the subsection. Okay, okay thank, thank you. you. Okay. Uh, under the subsection titled The ODS for Building Setbacks addresses the following topics. The following topic was actually removed. It's no longer there. It stated that minimum building setback depth was to create a smooth transition from the public to the private domain. That's no longer in there. So there it is, folks. The ODS no longer addresses the need for a smooth transition from public to private spaces. Uh, you know, I would urge the city council to take the new ODS at its word. It really doesn't ensure any smooth transition from public to private spaces. So any significant variation from the size and design of the project proposed in the original draft ODS is really a betrayal and a slap in the face to any one of, any one of the residents who, can, who do not think it is a good idea for their neighborhood to look like Emeryville. Thank you. Thank you. So he didn't use that additional minute. Who wants that? Okay. I mean, uh, there were two two women that yielded their time, Ms. Woodworth and another speaker. Do you want to take that minute, Ms. Woodworth? Okay. Okay. You have your own minute, sir. So, yeah. Hi. I'm resident of District 1. Why are we even considering last minute changes to the ODS at this point? The community engaged with the development partners and were given assurances that the development would be a good neighbor 
to say that the original ODS would affect the ability to get funds for affordable units, we've given them $53 million. We have to drive the design constraints to the minimum to get this done. I mean, thanks for, for nothing from District 1 for treating us badly yet again. And what about equity? This development does not address a whole group of people who need their vehicles for work, caregivers, construction workers, and everything else. This is just a new form of exclusionary development. You're excluding a whole class. So any council member who votes to weaken the ODS should have their names permanently affixed to the building in the ornamental facade alternative standards to show where they stood on this once in a generation opportunity. I'm a resident of District 1. I yield my time to Jean Schumann. Give my also, there's a chart attached to this, which I would like you to read or look at. Hello, my name is Jean Schumann, and I'm in District 1 only four blocks away from the project. And I'm here to ask you to adopt the original ODS, not the ones with the changes. And uh, that chart, which is on page two, should show you where those pages are because it has both the changes that were requested by the project and the changes that the planning commission, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the planning department made. And I will tell you that at no time during the planning department meeting with the planning commission did the department say, please adopt these. And, and since then, there hasn't been any change that said these are better because they're just in there because that's what the planning commission adopted. So the original planning department required the massing breaks in section 2.2 to begin if the building is over 150 feet, not the 200 feet that they're asking for now, and that the setbacks be 8 to 10 feet, not the 5 feet that they're asking for. And also, well-intended was the uh, ornament facade inclusion. But what it says is that all you have to do is 5% of the building. It could be a little picture in the corner. And that allows for no no break in massing and that and please read it because that's what it says in that in the ods and so um you know when you agreed to spend over 40 million or 56 million and i'm not sure at this point of your constituents money on a project within our city you undertook a fiduciary duty to us that goes far beyond your future political careers or your personal philosophy trusting or liking the project directors i'm sure they're nice people but the problem is that consideration doesn't outweigh your duty to protect your constituents in written documents, not handshakes, not I like, um, uh, that, our, uh, that ensure reasonable development be built. Details matter. The project developers conclusion the letter that merely says they have concerns. That letter is in your packet as well about buildability and finances was enough for the planning commission to dilute community protection. It should not be enough for you to allow the diminishment of important safeguards that are included in the original 
ODS. And these changes were sought only days before the planning commission meeting in October. For me, the issue has always been about building a housing project that's not only affordable, but inclusive. Inclusive Inclusivity is not only affected by the look of the developer's project, but also the massing and setbacks that are designed in such a way to make sure that we don't end up with a walled fortress. The proposed amendments to the ODS gives carte blanche to the developer to build a walled fortress instead of homes that invite the neighborhood in and gives reasons for the project residents to feel like they are part of a neighborhood. So I'm asking that you look at the pages 53, 62, 67 to 73, because that's what the planning department originally wrote. And it outlines what you can the changes please complete are. Your thought. I'm sorry. If you can please complete your thought. Okay. And the original. Um, uh, okay. Uh, so again, um, uh, I'm asking you to look at the original ODS and, and adopt that. Thank you. Thank you. Mayor, City Council, hello. My name is Ann Richards. I live on Acton Street between Cedar and Rose, where I've lived for 30 years. Uh, I'm a citizen, a constituent. I'm not an architect. Um, I engaged in this process from the very beginning, um, assuming that this was a true collaboration, that your intent was for a collaborative approach to the design standards, which when the original design standards came out, while it wasn't 100% of what I wanted, I said, okay, this represents the voice of everybody. This represents a long collaboration, multiple input, and this honors what we did. To change the original design standard now based on what the planning commission thinks is better, to me, dishonors that participation our collaboration. So I ask you to approve standards and honor the community. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Liz Probst. I'm director of real estate at Abaldsi, East Bay Asian Local Development Corporation. We're one of the four development partners and really excited to be here today for the progress that the community has made over the last three decade, especially the last year discussing the ODS. Um, we are part of five different master plans throughout the immediate East Bay. And it's through this lens, really excited about the authenticity and the depth of community engagement over the last year, and certainly the five years predicating that. Um, through this, we've iterated, we've collaborated, we've worked very closely with city staff, city council members, BART, and excited about where we've ended up. I think today is such a big win. Um, we're so excited about the next chapter through the hard work of city, city council, city staff, BART. We actually are going to be very successful funding and leveraging outside dollars um, next year. Through this lens, thank you so much. And just a real highlight. I mean, this is a transformative project, both for the community, Thank but you. also the thousands of lives we're going to be transforming. Thank you. I'm Larry Herman. I too have been involved since 2017 when it began. 
Um, I'm in favor, as others are, of returning the uh, setback and massing provisions to the original staff draft, and particularly ditching the half-baked ornamentation provision. That's an insane notion. But that's not really what I want to talk about. Um, I think this project is a tragedy, despite Rebecca Saltzman's comments about all coming together in community. The community is deeply divided over this project. You have received hundreds and even thousands of emails from people who wanted a different project. If you had come forward with a 600 unit, three to six, seven story project that had lots of room to fit in the community, you would have had overwhelming support. That's articulated all along. And in fact, Mayor Ergin, when you first saw the notion of that, you thought it was a good idea. Instead, we get a project pushing itself to the far edge of size, overwhelming the neighborhood, and it's not gonna end well. No, so we uh, we have a lot of um, iteration. Um, original design standards was that's my question. And so I, I had sent an email that uh, said, "Stay with." Oh, please do that. That the sign, the heights of the uh, buildings on the corner of Sacramento. Certainly, thank you. Thank you, sir. Next speaker, please. Hello, Mayor and Council uh, men and women. Uh, my name is Junko Genmotsu. Uh, I am a Berkeley resident for 26 years, and then my husband just spoke. So I live at the corner of Sacramento Street and Virginia Street. Yes, and our house is going to be affected by the shadow and by the, the uh, objective design standard, we learned that, that we are going to have a shadow in the winter time. And then, uh, well, then looking at looking, uh, the, you know, current uh, going on, uh, another uh, uh, idea of massing the building, I am totally against. Uh, living next to the, the Berkeley part, but, uh, but parking space, I'm always looking at how, what's gonna happen here. Anyway, I am uh, supporting the objective design standard, which is current. So I'd like to ask your support. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. 
Good afternoon, Mayor and City Council. I'm Colleen Egan, CEO of Insight Housing, the local housing developer to Berkeley and part of the North Berkeley housing team. With the ODS approval today, this will allow us to prioritize affordable housing, especially permanent supportive housing at North Berkeley BART, and that will provide homes to our unhoused neighbors. We're very excited about this and we just are hopeful for your support. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you to Jordan Klein, who immediately responded to an email that I had today. My name is Reynaldo Santa Cruz. I'm a retired educator. I've lived in Berkeley for 34 years. My lay wife and I came to Berkeley to raise our son. She taught for the Berkeley Unified School District. Um, uh, our neighbors uh, support a lower density, lower uh, we support a transit hub, and especially with uh, low-income housing. Uh, I, I believe the, the uh, council has flexibility with the, some, uh, many of the housing projects that are being completed and in the near future so that uh, this project can be minimized. I also have a concern that there was an MOU uh, signed, uh, but because of the uh, BART deficit, I believe that uh, there is an interest in, on their end to reduce their $326 million deficit. Finally, I'd, I'd like to request that the exterior of the building match. I, I had an extra. Yeah, thanks. I won't take it all. Um, finally, I'd like to request that the exterior of the buildings uh, and the character match the Mediterranean style of our one and two story homes that surround surround the, the neighborhood. Thank you. Uh, hello, uh, my name is Jeff Baker. I live on Cedar Street about a half a mile from the site. Uh, it is my nearest BART station. And I just want to congratulate the process for getting to this point. I think that the objective design standards that are before you are the product of a great process where everyone has been heard these rules passed out of Planning Commission 9-4 and 0 against. It was a meeting that was held at night where working people could attend. Everybody's been heard on this, and I urge you to reject the calls. Every call that we're hearing today to lower the heights, to increase the setbacks, to build 800 parking spaces means somebody doesn't get a home. So I urge you to adopt the ODS that is on the table without amendment. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Angela Upshaw. I'm COO for Inside Housing, and I'm also on the board of directors for the East Bay Housing Organization. Um, and I support the ODS that has been developed um, as, as is today. These standards, as amended and recommended by the Berkeley Planning Commission, uh, will allow the transit-oriented development at the station to meet two of the city's stated goals adding much-needed affordable housing in the high-resource North Berkeley area, while also maintaining an appropriate scale for the surrounding neighborhood. I believe it is urgent that the City Council approve these standards and allow the projects to continue moving forward to get affordable housing built in our city as soon as possible. The ODS, as developed and amended, uh, as well as the plan proposed today for the station area, represents a critical opportunity to to add well-designed and deeply affordable housing in a city that is in great need of both. With funding opportunities in a, coming quickly in the early and mid-2024, 
Um, I encourage the city council to show urgency and allow the project to move forward so that we can capitalize on that opportunity. Delays to tweak and tinker with the ODS risk missing those window and would offer limited benefit. I urge you to vote to approve the ODS as amended and recommended by the Planning Commission. Thank you. Hi, my name is Harrison Alter. I live on Grant Street between Cedar and Vine in District 5. Uh, I'm uh, the retired medical director of Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless, and I'm currently on the board of Insight Housing Partner. I, I do the insight work because I know uh, in my heart and in my body how important it is to care about our unhoused neighbors when we have these kinds of discussions. It's, uh, you know, I live in a very old house. I've done most of the work on it myself. Anybody who's ever swung a hammer in Berkeley knows that you need flexibility. Even the planning department that I've worked with a lot understands the importance of flexibility once you start to do work on a building. And I think that's all that this is asking for. We're always going to be able to find fault with the project, but if we want to put people in homes, we got to start somewhere. And I think we just need to forge ahead and get people housed. Thank you. Uh, hello, my name is David Mendelssohn. Thanks for taking my comment. Um, I think it's so important to keep in mind that this development comes in the context of nearly 50 years of downzoning in Berkeley. Those 50 years have done tremendous damage to housing affordability. We have a homelessness crisis. We have students who are living out of their cars. And if we'd been building housing for the last 50 years, it might make sense to go slow now, but we didn't do that. We kind of did the opposite of that. We're just starting to unwind the damage and there's a long way to go. So I hope that the council will adopt the recommendations of the planning commission. And I hope that if anyone is on the fence among the council members, that they will lean towards the side of more housing rather than less. The context is that the more people that are able to live in a nice walkable, bartable neighborhood, the very definition of a bartable neighborhood, the better. Hi there, I'm Sue Martin. I live about four blocks from the station and I know many of you and I appreciate the arduous work we've done for the last five or six years on this project. I think we've done a great job. It's been a lot of community input. And what I ask you today is to honor that input. We have um, a lot, all the meetings in the last few years, we've come to these agreements, the last one being uh, wider setbacks of eight to 10 feet and blocks, you know, whatever that's called, breaks in the, in the massing of the buildings. All these different things that we've come to over the, it, it, they keep getting changed at the last minute. <laughs> so I want housing. I want housing for affordable folks. I want a livable community. I just got back from Europe where it's a very beautiful communities at five or six floors throughout all those cities. So I think we're making an, an error to go above six floors, but please stop backtracking on the agreements that the community has made in good faith with all of you. Thank you. 
Hello. My name is Linda Cesera. I live three blocks from the station um, and have for over 40 years. I'm in agreement with the last person who spoke. I was at most of the meetings. We came to some very hard-fought decisions. The design standards before they were amended at the meeting last in September um, were ones people agreed with. We didn't like it all. We would have liked a smaller project. We would have preferred many other things, but we came to some hard-fought agreements. And then at the very end of the meeting kind of snuck in, I was there. All of a sudden, things were amended and changed. I'd felt like a betrayal. All the work that we'd put in were all of a sudden not okay, and these things were going to be put away at the last minute behind closed doors because it was sneaky. I was there. It was sneaky. And all of a sudden, there they were. So we worked too hard for this. Thank you. If there are any other speakers here in the boardroom at 1230 NASA and like to speak as part of the public hearing, please line up on this side of the room. Thank you. Hi, my name is Victoria Eisen. I live about a quarter mile from the BART station. Um, I said it years ago when this project uh, started that my family is part of the problem. Um, as my nest emptied and we're less interested in taking care of a yard, um, there's just not really anywhere for us to downsize in our neighborhood if we want to stay in our great neighborhood. Um, so uh, anything that you can do to maximize the number of units, both for people like me as well as for folks um, who haven't yet had the pleasure of living close to Monterey Market, close to University Avenue, um, and of course, next to the BART station, um, I'd appreciate. Um, please adopt the Planning Commission's recommendations to create as many homes as possible. Um, you know, that that whole chapter was part of the process. The Planning Commission meeting and their recommendations were part of the process. Um, and I would ask you to adopt them. Thank you. Thank you. Unless there are any other speakers here in the boardroom, we'll take speakers on Zoom. If you're on the Zoom platform, would like to speak for the public hearing on the North Berkeley Bard Objective Design Standards, please raise your hand to be added to the speaker's queue. Okay, we'll go first to Michael Katz. Please go ahead. Good afternoon. Um, I urge you to adopt design standards no less challenging and high than those in the original staff recommendation before the Planning Commission altered them on October 18th. Um, you're making a big decision today and you're making it for a building with a 99 year lease. Are we going to treat our new neighbors as first class citizens or as second class citizens because they're renters or people living in affordable units? Berkeley's tradition has been to treat people with affordable housing as first class citizens with places that feel like home. It's worked really well. What's proposed here is second class citizens, minimal setbacks, so no front yards. Uh, the projections po poison pill, which reduces the setbacks effectively to zero. The upper floor units will loom over lower uh, floor residents. And this increase of materials from 65% to 80% or more means bland box. Please go with the original design standards. Let's create places that feel like home. Thank you. Thank you. We'll go next to CC Littlepage, followed by David Chere. 
I'd like to waive my minute to any other member of the North Berkeley Neighborhood Alliance who would like it. Just claim it when it's your turn. Okay, thank you. David Chere is our next speaker, followed by A.J. Fox. Uh, hi, um, I want to encourage council to vote to approve the ODS uh, standards as amended and, rec uh, and recommended by your planning commission. Um, it is 3 p.m. on a Tuesday, 4, 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. The voice of working people, the voice of parents, the voice of students, the voice of the homeless are not in this room right now. Um, Something that we haven't heard about today is the climate crisis. We know that dense infill development is one of the most important levers that a city government has. I also want to um, mention something that I know is near and dear to some of your hearts, and that is building decarbonization. When you create all of these angles and you require all of these massing breaks, you increase the amount of energy that it takes to heat a building. You increase the amount of electricity and you increase the amount of gas that gets used. Um, we, we, we say that the climate Climate comes before everything. Um, are, are we going to focus on aesthetics or are we going to focus on really building buildings that are built for the climate crisis? Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is AJ Fox, followed by Virginia Browning. Hi there. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, call in and encourage the council to approve the standards that are in front of you today without amendment. Uh, I'd like to see this housing built as fast as possible and as high as possible. And I can severely concerned that any further amendments or changes will delay both of those goals. Um, this is a long delayed project. It's a, it's a shame and a tragedy that it's taken so long in the midst of an, a housing shortage emergency in Berkeley. And I want to see the city council work as hard as they can to get this housing built as quickly as possible. And while you're at it, I'd love to see the same with the Ashby Bart station. Thanks so much for considering. Thank you. Ashby will coming to us next month. Um, our next speaker is Virginia Browning, followed by Anthony. Virginia Browning, you should now be able to speak. Please unmute yourself if you wish to speak. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, what Ann Richards said uh, is about what I feel too. I feel that we we read many things, we looked at many things, we made lots of compromises, and uh, it's dishonoring the community that were that entered into this for over two years to um, come up with these changes at the last minute. And um, some of, the, I think some of the people that were even on that planning commission spoke, you know, 60 something percent of the uh, units in the country are owned by a, a, a fairly few number of entities. I don't know who's going to own this ultimately, but it's not people that live here that are preventing affordable housing. It's the ownership by a very few. And I found that was true in other places when I finally went to Europe too. So please honor the original plan from last September. Thanks. Our next speaker is Anthony, followed by Teresa Clark. Hello, I'm a longtime Berkeley resident asking you to approve the objective design standards before the council. Berkeley has promised to enable housing at North Berkeley BART. Other speakers today have made clear that they perform more parking and less housing, but luckily that's not on the table today. I've been at meetings over the last five years with neighbors asking for more and higher quality housing. 
please respect that input. With these objective design standards, we will set major design requirements that keep the unit count near the minimum agreed with BART, including limiting the buildings to eight stories at the center with major step downs at the edges. It's unfortunate that the ODSs require the project architects to paint by numbers already, but let's at least make sure we don't paint them into a corner. Please approve the item before the council. Thank you. Our next speaker is Teresa Clark, followed by Kelly Hammergren. Hi, thanks for taking my um, comments. Um, I'm Teresa Clark. I live in South Berkeley, but I've been involved with the um, the BART development process uh, for eight years. And one of the things that I'm concerned about is um, now you're saying a thousand bedrooms. Uh, I don't know where that started to come in, but it should be a thousand units. And you know what's happened is with you know, I think definitely I support the Planning Commission's recommendations because what hasn't been um, talked about, frankly, is we're supposed to be getting at least 75 dwelling units to the acre, and there's 8.2 acres on the North Berkeley site. You're barely making it. So what you've done is you've created a situation where you've reduced the number of units that are being built with these objective design standards, which was not the intent of the state law, AB 2923. So, um, you know, we really need to do more housing. I think this is a compromise and I think the process needs to be the, you know, one of the things I hear the neighbors saying is they feel like things were switched on them, but each time you create a scenario where you're not giving the full pros and cons. Like if you do this objective design standard, you're going to be lowering the density. We need the density. Thank and you. I'm disappointed uh, with the low density. So definitely approve these and get going. We need this housing. Thank you. Our next speaker is Kelly Hammergren, followed by Megan N. Um, thank you. This is a neighborhood project for family and transit-oriented housing, not student-focused housing. Uh, when I left the presentation to the community with the insight plans over the summer, I left excited about the design. And then all this changed when it came to the Planning Commission on October 18th. I don't think you want this to end up looking like the big boxy buildings that I saw when I visited what was once East Germany in Berlin. That is my concern. Yes, Duffy spoke to how each bedroom is a home. I hope that each bedroom as a home is not bedrooms without windows as what I see in student housing coming for approval to our zoning adjustment board. The new phase phrase for bedrooms without windows is borrowed light. And do we really want children in bedrooms with no windows to have to get on the right place to see a little light from across another room. So I hope that we can stick with the original designs. Those were those were really super. Thank you. Our next speaker is Megan N, followed by Mackay Freeman. Good afternoon. My name is Megan Nguyen with East Bay Housing Organizations. We support the objective design standards that have been developed to guide planning and design at North Berkeley BART. These standards, as amended and recommended by the Planning Commission, will ensure the project's ability to leverage funding opportunities next year and develop 
transit-oriented development that meets the city's immense affordable housing needs. So we echo the calls today, urging the council to vote to approve the ODS. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Makai Freeman, and we're going to give Makai some additional time um, given um, their disability. Um, so Makai, you should now be able to speak. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Good afternoon. Housing is important. Affordable housing, truly affordable housing, is essential. I'm a district one resident. I also work at the CIL System Change Advocate. And if we really wanted to address climate, we have to censor people. The, uh, people feel that vehicles are a luxury, but some people, they are essential for health and well-being and navigating around the community. I do not see any mention on this project about wayfinding blind, low-vision people. The restriction of parking, you'll have people living in this development and as life changes, then we need to have an accessible vehicle to navigate around the community. And again, I ask, was this involved in this planning. Residents want to have their voices, their time, and their input matter. We can give extra time to go back to the original OGS and give residents and future residents equity, safe, mm. and a hard to environment because they'll be staying possibly for decades. They deserve to have windows and open spaces. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to our next speaker, former Councilor Davila. Thank you. Um, so it's interesting that people are still stating that they've been bamboozled from the first what they thought and now what's happening today. So it would be nice if the Berkeley City Council could listen to the community, honor their request. I know you have all your pro-density pro-development people here talking, but I hear the voices of the people that feel like they've been bamboozled. So, um, you know, it would be nice if you could uh, listen to them and, and do as they say, because nobody, I'm telling you, like in five years after that building is built or less, people aren't going to be happy with the mass, huge, freaking building in the middle of Berkeley 
Um, yeah, we need affordable housing, but will it really be affordable to many? I'm not sure about that. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Colin User One. This is public comment on the North Berkeley BART objective design standards. Dirk and Nyhart, up in Berkeley since 1952. And now I own a couple of houses, one block from North Berkeley BART. And I'm among those who feel bamboozled by this change of plan. I think the, even the original plan is not taking into account the demand on water and landfill that the residents will require. And I wish rationality more than I wish uh, for low-income housing for people. We do have an unlimited number of people who might wish low-income housing, but we have limited resources on land for parking and land for <clears throat> and water for survival. Anyway, I'm thinking at, at worst case, let us go back to the original plan and certainly reject the amended plan. Thank Our next speaker is Elizabeth Kowal, followed by Yvette. Hi. Um, I am discouraged about the last minute changes. I do find that it's happened before with me with this city you start to lose faith in the process. I think it's unfair to set up those wanting the agreed upon plans with those wanting um, more subsidized housing. That is not the case. Even people who live there need, for example, to be able to talk to one another on a sidewalk and have someone with a wheelchair go by. A lot of the things we're asking for are very reasonable accommodations to make things livable. It's not that we don't want building and the new apartment. So I ask you to please go back to the upon standards. That's the whole reason we do all of this community building and input. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Yvette. followed by Oscar. Yvette, you should now be able to speak. I would like to speak to the greening of this building. Throughout this whole process, there has been no consideration to the fact that this is not being built in a green manner. There's no consideration that there should be mandatory solar panels to power the, the building's hallway lights, the elevators, and so forth. Regardless of the size of this, I think it's a little ingenious for people to say that making more angles will cost more electricity when we can compensate by solar. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Oscar, followed by Helen Walsh. Hello, uh, my name is Oscar, and I live about three blocks away from the station. Now, personally, I think anything here would look better than a parking lot. 
But after six years of community outreach, I'm tired of the calls for a smaller project because what's really being said is that we need less housing and our current severe shortage. We need to get the most out of this site. There have already been enough compromises. Please adopt these objective design standards. Thank you. Our next speaker is Helen Walsh, followed by Andrew Talbot. Hi, my name is Helen Walsh. I'm speaking for myself as an individual. Um, I am all about usability and visibility. I'm listening to the different community members, especially Mackay Friedman, who spoke very eloquently about equality for usability and visibility in the area. So I'm just gonna pinpoint inclusive design. And when I look at the designs, the original design seems to be more in favor of how I would want to see a community of people living together with um, the ability to um, have access. Thank you. Thank you. Andrew Talbot's our next speaker, followed by Paul Bickmore. Yeah, I wanna say um, thank you for the chance to speak. Um, these objective design standards, you know, nothing's perfect. It's taken us, I think, almost five years to even get to this point maybe even more um, in getting to this place where we can build housing um, in North Berkeley on uh, a really disused parking lot. So appreciate the chance to say that we should, um, you know, as quickly as possible, approve these standards and uh, move forward. Thank you. Thank you. We'll go next to Paul Bickmore, followed by David Brandon. Hi, uh, thank you, uh, City Council, and um, for uh, this all the work that's been done. Um, I'm just calling in support of um, the standards recommended by the Planning Commission. Um, they're the best for both, you know, pedestrian safety and just walkability, as well as doing the most to uh, alleviate the housing crisis and as well as the climate crisis. Um, so. Uh, adopt what uh, the Planning Commission um, has uh, recommended, and thank you so much. Thank you. Our next speaker is David Brandon. He is the last raised hand on Zoom, so this is the last call for any speakers on Zoom for the public hearing on the North Berkeley BART Objective Design Standards. Please raise your hand to be called on. David Brandon? Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I really simply urge you to retain the original city staff recommendations for setbacks oh, and uh, also to reject the newly added, particularly reject the newly added section 2.2.5 that allows developers to escape any limits on building lengths. I'm afraid what you're giving us after all this planning is a heat light heat island in the middle of Berkeley, completely out of scale. And a lot of things, a lot of uh, uh, so-called facts get thrown around. For example, I heard someone just say disused parking lot. Before the pandemic, that parking lot was generally full on weekdays. So, uh, but sticking to the fact, the original city staff recommendations for setbacks and some other matters uh, are, I urge you to follow. Thank you very much. Thank you. I don't see any other hands raised on Zoom to testify in the public hearing on the North Berkeley BART objective design standards. Are there any remaining in-person speakers on that item? Okay, if not, question for the city attorney. Um, this isn't a quasi-judicial matter. So if we close the public hearing, we could still ask questions of staff and 
Individuals. Okay. I move to close the public hearing. Second. Let's call the roll and close in the public hearing. Councilmember Kesarwani? Yes. Kaplan? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Harrison? Yes. Hahn? Yes. Wengraff? Yes. Robinson? Yes. Humbert? Yes. And Mary Aragine? Yes. Okay. Okay. The public hearing is now closed. Thank you, everyone, for being here today and for your comments. Okay. Under the authority provided in Section 1B of the City Council Rules of Procedure and Order, as a presiding officer, I'd like to set a speaking time limit of five minutes per council member. We can do multiple rounds of questions and comments. So I'm invoking that authority provided as a providing officer. And um, we'll go to council. Everyone will get one opportunity to speak, then we'll do another round if necessary. So let's set the clock for five minutes. Thank you. And if councilors want to be recognized, please press your button to be out of the speaker's queue. And I'll turn the floor to Councilor Kesawani. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. Um, nobody achieves anything substantial on their own. And today, I really want to thank our city staff, Planning Director Jordan Klein, Principal Planner Elisa Shen, our former Planning Director Timothy Burroughs, former Deputy City Manager Paul Budenhagen, our City Attorney Farima Brown, and our City Manager D. Williams-Ridley. And I know there were others who worked on this over the last six years. I want to recognize our partners at BART, Director Rebecca Saltzman, Shannon Dodge, Rachel Factor, Henry Simmons, former Director of Real Estate Abby Thorne-Lyman, Carly Payne, and Val Minotti. And I'm sure there are others on their side as well who have put so much time and effort into this. I want to thank the incredible North Berkeley Housing Partners team for delivering on our multi-year vision for a transit-oriented village. Uh, Jonathan Stern, Colleen Egan, and Ed Perillon, Liz Probst, and Joe Kirchhofer. And I want to recognize that, yes, Duffy and Daniel Simons are here, as is Angela Upshaw. Uh, my council colleagues, I really want to thank you. You have always supported this effort unanimously. Uh, especially the mayor and Councilmember Bartlett for your partnership and leadership in bringing homes to both of these BART stations. And of course, all of the members of the public who have engaged in this process for nearly six years. And for me personally, it has been an honor to have the opportunity to be the council member for this area and to lead with the vision of of housing abundance at this parking lot. And I am a policy wonk by training. I have talked a lot about the need to create homes, especially affordable homes, and to do so close to public transit. The objective design standards before us today are intended as a guide for development so that we all have predictability about what to expect in an actual project. So they are the limits, the bounds of what to expect. They are not in and of themselves the actual project. I want us to focus on the thoughtfully designed project that we have from the development team with more affordable units than any of us thought possible, half of the units affordable to low-income households. This project, we have to remember, includes frontage courts. It includes massing breaks. Three stories are proposed along Virginia in response to community feedback three-story walk-ups on Acton as well. Uh, the design has been modified based on community feedback. 
And based on what I have heard from the community, there is broad support for this design. Now, getting to these standards, the Planning Commission's changes to the design guidelines incorporate flexibility requested by the North Berkeley Housing Partners. I, I want to remind us this flexibility would only be used in the event that the project needs to be tailored from its current design to adapt to changing financial conditions or to be more competitive for state funds. We know that that sometimes has to occur. I want us to do everything that we can to ensure that these affordable homes can get built. So that is why I think it is important to provide flexibility in the event that it might be needed so that we can ensure we actually see these affordable homes. So I am asking us to do a little more than we originally thought we could so that somebody else can have what we already have, the opportunity to live in this wonderful neighborhood. And, you know, I, I want to remind us, Elmo was at the corner of Acton and Virginia for weeks. He has moved to the pickleball court on Virginia Gardens. He is homeless and he moves around this area around the station. Some of you have written to me about him. <laughs> so, so this is our chance to actually provide the permanent supportive housing that is needed. You know, when I take my son to school here at Oxford, we pass a homeless man who sleeps in the doorway of the Korean restaurant. And I have to tell my son, he does that because there aren't enough affordable homes in this community. So we can do this. Um, we have to have faith in the design professionals of this development team and trust that our generosity will be rewarded with a beautiful transformation of this parking lot into something inviting and open. You know, I was raised to believe you cannot keep what is good about your life or your neighborhood unless you share it. So I am asking us to do a little bit more tonight. And in the interest of efficiency, I would like to move to adopt the objective design standards in supplemental two. There's a second. Second. Seconded by Humbert. Thank you. Okay, we'll go next to Councilmember Humbert. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and thank you, Councilmember Kessarwani. I'm going to keep my comments pretty short because this has been a long process getting here, and I've only been on council for the very end of it. Um, I have great confidence, though, based on my experience in council so far, in the work of our planning staff, our planning commission, and certainly Councilmember Kessarwani. And I want to thank all of them for the immense effort they put into getting us to this point, which I think and hope is more or less at the finish line. I intend to support the version of the objective design standards approved by the Planning Commission, which I think did real, and this is the term I'm going to use, yo person's work, to create a set of standards that will make for good buildings and a feasible project. I mean, feasibility is critical. I'm a big fan of this approach of worrying less about facade articulation, instead looking for opportunities for ornamentation, other design flourishes. I've been looking at Chicago school buildings today. They're big boxes with beautiful ornamentations, and, and they're really, really inviting. Um, I hope it's something we can apply to new structures elsewhere in the city. And, you know, there are lots of and, uh, beautiful apartment buildings I'm thinking of. Spanish colonial revival apartment buildings that really just have a little bit of ornamentation and, and, and they're really pretty. Um, they don't have facade breaks. 
Overall, I'm disinclined to tinker with what plan the Planning Commission has given us because I don't want us to go down a rabbit hole. And I think we've already done enough tinkering with the details on the project. The fact is people need housing. They need it yesterday. They don't need it tomorrow, but it's going to have to be tomorrow. And I think, what is it? I don't know how many meetings, um, but we've had more than enough meetings, and it's really time to move this forward. So again, I want to say thank you to our planning staff, to BART staff, um, to um, the BART directors involved, um, and the development team, to our planning commissioners, also to our mayor, who I think, frankly, has played a key role in interfacing with BART as we work on the projects at Berkeley's two stations. And again, finally, the biggest thank you is to Council Member Kesarwani, who's given so much time and energy and passion and intelligence to shepherd this project through the process and make it the best it can be. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll go next to Council Member Robinson. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I am relieved and so delighted to have so little to say today. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time with these materials, with the planning departments, with the project team, with my own commissioner on the planning commission, uh, and have come in very confident in the direction before us, confident in the commission's recommendation, and really appreciating the amendments that were made at that meeting, the emphasis and the thesis through all of them being just a little greater flexibility for the project team, which I know goes a long way. Truly, the only reason I buzzed in is because it would have felt wrong to let this moment, perhaps the last regulatory vote necessary for us as a legislative body for this project, slip by without expressing my thanks and gratitude to everyone who has brought us here. The Planning Department, Mayor Aragin, Councilmember Kesawani, and Councilmember Mayo before you, and all the members of the community that have helped shepherd and shape this project. We know what a meaningful win it is for housing affordability in our city, for creating more affordable homes. We know what a win it is for the climate crisis, for addressing our jobs and housing imbalance. But perhaps most excitingly, I'm just so thrilled for what this project will mean culturally as a neighborhood center. I think someone on the project team noted the distinction between words and photos, and that really the words are what matter most in these ODS that we're approving today. But those photos are really doing some legwork. The, uh, the renderings are so gorgeous, and I'm really thrilled that the themes, the ideas that we have been talking about year after year after year, yeah, I think the first in-person moment I got to step into was in this very room with you know, all the different dreams and project proposals plastered to the wall. I think the, the theses of every one of those conversations are manifested in the vision before us, and I'm so excited for it to break ground. Uh, so thank you all. It's a big milestone today, and I'm glad we're going to leap past it. Appreciate it. Okay, we'll go next to Councilmember Harrison. Thank you very much. Um, you know, this is our last opportunity to meaningfully influence this project. I hope everyone in the audience understands that. When we vote today, that is the vote because there are no other actions that come back to us as a council. So this is our chance. This site is one of the most valuable pieces of land in, in Berkeley, situated on a transit hub and a walkable neighborhood along the Alona Greenway. And moreover, it's on public land for which the city paid to move home so many years ago. This is not land that is costing anyone anything. Um, I want to make a couple of points on points made by speakers. Um, it, this has taken a while because it's a big change. The idea that we didn't do this fast enough, I think, is really um, an unfortunate thing to say. I think the development team has worked really hard. They had meetings. The city got it together and put this together. It takes a while. You cannot make change overnight. 
Number two, no one asked for 800 parking spaces. I, I don't know who the speakers were that kept saying these neighbors are looking for parking. I didn't hear that once. What I heard from these neighbors who I have a lot of respect for is we want the housing here. I didn't hear them say they didn't want it. You may have your own opinion about what they really think, but that's not what they said today. They said they want the housing. They, and they didn't say a thing about parking spaces, thank goodness, because I'd have problems with that. That parking lot is a waste of space. Um, and also it was discussed that there was the tinkering that's happening here. Tinkering happening here, we're the elected officials. The tinkering happened at the planning commission at the last minute. So I just really resent the sort of tone that was set by some of the comments, and I wanted to say that up front. Um, I appreciate the need for uh, flexibility and to maximize housing, but I also appreciate the need for the people that live in the neighborhood now to have some reasonable expectation of what is going to occur. My focus today is more on what commitments we can get from the team about their plans going forward. Um, I am concerned about the setbacks, and I'm going to get back to that in a second, but I'm not so focused on the details. What I want to know today from whoever can answer this question is, when we get your plans, will they meet this design or will you ask for further concessions and waivers to major aspects such as setbacks? So whether we end up at eight feet setback or five feet setback, what I want to know is, are you going to stick to it? Or are you going to come back and ask us for something else? Who can answer that? Is that a question for the development team? It is, or the yeah. planning director, either one. Mr. Stern from Bridge. Well, I'll defer to the planning director, but for I can say for North Berkeley Housing Partners, Jonathan Stern, Bridge Housing, that we asked for these changes to the ODS, first what we rolled out in September and then in October, because we intend to, we intend to live up with them live up to them. Are you, okay. We intend to have a, a development. We plan to submit a package for entitlements to the city of Berkeley in early 2024. Just to reiterate what I said earlier, meets the heights, the setbacks, the massing of this ODS, the massing breaks, um, including the three foot set uh, story edges on Acton in Virginia. Yeah, that, that was my next question. So you're committing to the three stories on those two edge those, streets. That's correct. Is that correct? We will submit something in early 2024 that meets all of those standards. Okay, now a question for the planning director. When do people make their density bonus concession and waiver requests in a project? When does that happen? That happens at the entitlement phase. Okay, so it happens when they turn in this package. Correct. As they turn in this package, we are hearing today from Mr. Stern, he's committed to the three stories on those two perimeter streets. Um, so that that's helpful to me, and I really appreciate you saying that. I'm also um, concerned about where you show six stories. Is that also a commitment that that will remain at six? I should just have you stand up there because I have other questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Um, and then what about this setback issue? This is something I find confusing. You said to me in a phone call that you wanted to make sure that the this averaging we had before didn't apply because it was confusing. You know, we had the eight to 10 foot averaging. What's wrong with an eight foot standard versus a five foot standard? Well, the eight foot standard was averaged in the original proposal submitted by the, by the planning department and staff, because there are certain elements specifically along Delaware, I think is the primary concern concerning an Acton that where there's some that jut out further, some places jut out further and some come in closer. And those are uh, were averaged. And that was their that was the consensus language developed with the planning staff. And uh, it, but across multiple buildings, it's hard to implement. I understand the averaging was hard. What's wrong with the standard of eight? I'm saying forget averaging. Don't do averaging. Just say eight. Well, Why not eight? 
if we had eight, the package that we've been working on and working with the planning staff would not be available, ready to submit in early 2024. Okay. And there'd be fewer units built. Okay. How many fewer units? I unfortunately don't have that number. And it, yeah, see, that's one of my biggest concerns is we always hear there's going to be fewer units, but we don't know what that really means. There's sort of threat thrown up that we're going to have so many fewer units. I just, I just don't know about that. So I'm, I'm concerned about that. Um, I, I also want to make sure one thing that everyone understands in the room is one thing that you will not be waiving if you ask for concessionary waiver is the open space because that's over the mechanicals of the project. So the I think the middle of the project is going to be the way the middle of the project is. And I don't think it's going to change. So I really, I do really appreciate that. So the open space is not going to change there, which I think is really good. Um, I would like to also know about this issue of the ornamentation versus the breaks. If do I understand this, Mr. Klein, that if there is five percent ornament on five percent ornamentation on five percent of the surface, there are no breaks required at all anywhere. Is that right? You know, I'm not certain of the percentage amount. I'm going to uh, defer that question to Elisa. Okay, but it's not just we're going to do ornamentation at this spot instead of a break. It means once we do ornamentation, there are no breaks. And I believe that percent is 5%. Is that right? You'll check. That's correct. That's the, that's the percentage in the standard. Okay, so there may be no massing breaks at all. Is that correct, Mr. Stern? What are you planning to turn in? Does it have massing breaks? Any? So. So the so just for, to clarify, to step back for a moment, the ornamentation standard was not something that the development team asked for. Mm -hmm. This is something that came out of an idea from Alfred Wu, uh, the commissioner. We think it's a good idea. Um, we really haven't explored exactly how it'll be implemented, if at all, and that's that if in the, the development package we're putting together. Um, if it is implemented, one thing we did like about it though is it allows for certain innovative construction techniques, including cross laminated timber or mass timber that do, don't do well with major or massing, minor massing breaks. So we are exploring using this, this uh, uh, provision. Okay. So you're, but I need to know, it means that there could be an entire process, uh, project with no massing breaks. If you did the 5%, it, is that it's right? possible that there will be one edge of a development that does not have. Oh, okay. Which edge is that? The, the potentially the, where we're looking at it is specifically on Sacramento. Ah, Okay, so Sacramento not facing the homes that would have not have the massing breaks. Is that going to be in your design? The other places will have massing breaks? Right now, it's not in our design. Well, you just said that you need to get this decision because you want to turn in your designs. I thought they were done. It is not completely done. There's still work that needs to be done. Okay. Uh, there, but uh, there are many, many decisions that have to be made, and we are working through all of those issues. You're not willing to commit to keeping massing breaks on the other streets, the other fronts? Uh, of some kind. I don't even uh, know yes. what the uh, size we, is. We are not planning on change. We are planning on complying with this ODS on all aspects. Yes, which says no streets. massing breaks as long as you do 5% ornamentation. And we weren't planning on using ornamentation on any street except Sacramento. It does not say that here. It says as long as you do 5% ornamentation on 5% of the surface, you can do no breaks anywhere. We, I feel that needs to change. I'm a little, I'm worried about that part. So that, that's the thing I'm, after thinking about this whole thing that gives me the biggest pause. Um, and then also I wanted to, this is just a thing, and this may be more for Mr. Klein also, is the commitment for the affordable housing. We've always been told that was going to come in at the same time as the market. And I believe that's true. That's in the MOU. Isn't that right, Mr. Klein? Yes, the MO, the, the 
agreement with BART includes provisions to ensure that affordable housing is constructed either prior to or concurrently with market rate components. Okay. And what's the weight legally of the MOU? What if the developer doesn't do it? What happens? Uh, I defer to the city attorney's office. On okay. Madam city attorney, what's that, what happens if they do not do that? What What is the legal obligation attendant to them from the MOU? So the MOU has some language about the ODS um, being enforced by BART. This is not about the design standards. This is about the affordable building as oh, a separate I'm part. Uh, yeah, separate part of the MOU. Thank um, you. I would need to check with my staff. So just give me a couple of minutes. I could elaborate since I helped negotiate the MOU. Yeah. Um, and we have BART here, so they can probably opine on this as well. That you know we are we are going to have an agreement, a legally binding agreement, um, that will be. Um, that will effectuate the um, the city providing the development funding for the project for the affordable housing component. We can condition at conditions of that agreement, um, but I think we can also ask BART as well because they're going to have their own agreements with the, with the development team relating to the leasing of the land. Is Director Saltzman here? Ms. Factor, could they weigh in on this? While we're waiting, I believe. Rachel, are you there? Uh, yes, I am. Sorry. I Shannon Dodge. Repeat? Shannon Dodge. Yeah. I see Shannon. Can you yeah. please repeat the question? It got the sound went out for yeah. me. Yeah. For somebody of the BART team, I think Councillor Harrison's question is could you repeat it? Yeah. My question is what is the uh, legal binding nature of the MOU vis a vis having to build the affordable housing project? In concert, you have to get building permits for the affordable housing project at the same time as you get them for the market rate housing. Like if it's 100 units of affordable, you have to have done that permit before you get 100 unit for a market using round, silly numbers. But anyway, Hi, this is Shannon Dodge from BART. I can mm -hmm. speak to that. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, our agreements with the development team, um, we do expect will oblige them to complete the affordable housing either concurrently with or ahead of the market rate housing consistent with our commitment to the city and the MOU. Excuse, what is the legal requirement that that happen and what happens if it doesn't? Um, well, BART will execute, a, we intend to execute a, a lease option with the development team for the entire site. And then within that, uh, individual ground leases are expected for each of the building sites. And so we wouldn't proceed with uh, a ground lease on market rate housing until such time as affordable housing uh, either is going concurrently or has already proceeded ahead of that. And Madam City Attorney, do you have any more thoughts on that? Okay. Um, so it seems to me that I would like to see us condition both our city's affordable housing dollars on the requirement in the MOU that the affordable housing units be permitted 
in concert with the timing for permitting market rate units, and also that we condition our city's affordable housing commitment on compliance with the affordable, the objective design standards, whatever they end up to be today. So if they end up at five, that that's it. If they end up at eight, that's it. For the major elements, which to me are the, the massing, however we end up as a team, as a group here, that that is the story. When this neighborhood walks out of the room, they're gonna know what they're gonna get. That's my goal here. And I think the changing nature of that has been one of the biggest challenges. So um, I'm going to think about how to make a motion about that. But those are my initial comments. And I just want to say it's as important to me to get maximum units. I mean, as getting maximum units, as the neighborhood knowing what they're getting and the whole community knowing what they're getting and that we have some sort of assurance. Um, so thank you. Thank you. I don't know if the question of the affordable housing funding is legally before us. What's before us is the objective design standards. So City Attorney Brown, I mean, that's going to be a separate action. It's going to come to us at some point, at which time we could certainly add very, I'm sure we're hearing, I think we're hearing your request. We could certainly explore that and look at incorporating that as a condition of the affordable housing funding. But that's not, that's not the action before us today. Correct. Okay. So I just want to center what we're being asked to do, which is the objective design standards. Um, so we can't, we're not, we can't entertain any motions around conditioning affordable housing funding because that's not legally what's on the agenda today. But we could condition the objective design stand, or the, the objective design standards. We could say that it's our intention, we will not provide the affordable housing funding if they don't meet whatever objective design I standards. I would encourage you to consult the city attorney. On okay, that. thank you. Um, okay, we'll go next to Councilmember Wengraff on Zoom and then Councilmember Hahn. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I, I want to say that um, I understand the uh, concerns and disappointment of the neighborhood. This has been a long process, and uh, this is a big project. So it's I, I think uh, it's hard. It's hard for people to imagine what are they going to be living next to. I, I just want to let the neighborhood people know that I've been hearing what you've been saying and, uh, and I'm sympathetic, I'm sympathetic to it. That said, I also think that flexibility is extremely important um, in the design, in being able to create a better design for this project. And so I don't wanna tie hands by being too prescriptive. Um, I do have some questions for Mr. Stern or, or Mr. Klein. Um, I'm concerned about housing units on the ground floor and the setback where those housing units might be. Uh, because I think we all want to create very desirable units. And I can imagine living in a unit with only a three foot setback uh, from the sidewalk uh, where you have bedrooms and, and your living space. And I wanna, I wanna make sure that we're not we're not allowing that. Uh, so could somebody answer that question? Do we have living spaces on the ground floor? And uh, is there uh, a prescribed setback where those living units are? Yeah, Councilmember Weingraf, we can, staff and, uh, and Chris Sensenig, our consultant on this project, can speak to what the objective design standards allow. We can't speak to, and perhaps Mr. Stern or another representative of the project team could speak to uh, what the 
project team is currently planning in their preliminary uh, uh, designs. But I'll, I'll in the objective design standards. Um, sure. Are there are there living units with uh, with very small setbacks from the sidewalk um, in the current plan? Yeah, I, be I believe uh, ground floor residential is permitted under the uh, zoning and objective design standards and with minimum setbacks of five feet. Five feet. Correct. And three feet on the internal drive, just to. And those units uh, with the five, those units with the living, those structures with the living units on the ground floor are on the side streets or are they on Sacramento? So that, I mean, in terms of the actual proposed project versus what the, the objective design standards are requiring, I would uh, defer to the developer of the project. Uh, perhaps Mr. Stern can respond to that or Mr. Simons. Okay. Uh, so currently we have ground floor residential units on Delaware, Virginia, and Acton. Um, and in terms of the setbacks, I think it's really important for people to remember that the uh, the sidewalks will be widened to be eight feet and there will be five feet of planting in addition to the five foot setback. So actually these dwelling units that will be on the ground floor will be a minimum of 18 feet from where a car would be. Um, and the current design, there are some that are that close, but there are also varying degrees of setback. Uh, I'm a little confused. Are you talking about setback from the sidewalk, from the property line, or you're talking about setbacks from the street curb? From the street curb. Yeah, usually we talk about set setbacks as being from the public right of way of the sidewalk? Yeah, so we moved the property lines. So the current property lines are closer to the curb, um, but they were pulled back to allow for this widened sidewalk throughout the entire neighborhood. So I think when you're thinking about the setback, it's that five feet of planting, the eight foot of sidewalk, and an additional five feet before the unit. So it's gonna feel really generous much, very similar to the condition across the street. Um, okay. I'm more concerned about the experience of the tenant than I am of the experience of the person on the sidewalk. Because living inside that unit, you're very exposed uh, to the street. That's all. Well, like I said, I mean, there is the five-foot setback that is going to be planted between the sidewalk and the unit. Um, but then there's also this additional buffer that comes with these widened sidewalks. Okay, thank you. Um, my other question is uh, is about the ornamentation, uh, which I understand is is a uh, an idea that came forward from a planning commissioner, um, and and the recommendation is that five percent of the facade have ornamentation. What what is the basis for that five percent? I think that's that's the recommendation from the commissioner. I can't. I, I don't think we're able to speak to what was described at the planning commission. Were examples of buildings that um, 
again, I, I don't know the exact calculation, but what was presented at the planning commission was examples of buildings that did not have articulations uh, in the massing and had ornamentation. And so uh, I am just assuming that the 5% came from the calculation of the, uh, you know, came, uh, the genesis of the idea was from those examples that the commissioner provided. Well, I, you know, I think as long as we're talking about flexibility, um, which I support, um, I, I think it may be a mistake to prescribe it as 5%. And I would, I would suggest that we amend that to say a minimum of 5%. Um, because otherwise we're stuck with 5%. And I'm not sure that that's, uh, in terms of design and creativity, I'm not sure that's a good way to go. So those are my comments for now. Thank you very much. Council Member Hahn. Yes, thank you so much. <clears throat> I First of all, I want to thank the community for the thousands of hours that have been put in. I want to thank the development team. Um, I, I agree that it would be nice to have a little more certainty about these things, but I also am grateful that we have a team with strong ties to Berkeley that I feel has listened to concerns and really tried hard to reflect them in in the concepts that they've been putting forward. And I want to thank uh, Bart and, and the mayor and the council members who've been involved. Um, this is a really big lift and it's a big and important project, which is going to bring a lot of benefits to Berkeley. And um, so just a lot of gratitude there. Uh, I wanted to also note that there's overwhelming agreement here. I think when we're focused on a couple of details that matter, I'm not saying those details don't matter. I think they really do matter. And I have quite a few questions about them. But I want us to just take a moment to revel in the fact, first of all, that it appears that staff's version of the objective design standards are fully endorsed by the neighborhood. And I think that is a testament to um, our staff. And I really want to shout out to them for the work that they've done. Um, and that really what we're left here with is just a few items that the neighborhood has concerns about. And I am interested in exploring them at least a little bit with um, staff and with a design team. I have two areas of inquiry that are important to me. One is enforcement options. And the other is um, these few changes that some of my colleagues have already asked quite a few questions. But I'm going to start with the change in how the setbacks are um, being represented. And I have some questions, for, I think, for staff. Um, your recommendation was 8 to 10 feet average. And what was adopted was um, five foot minimum. On an eight to 10 foot average, was there any minimum setback or would it, would it have been possible, for example, for 50% of the frontage to be at the property line and 50% 16 feet back for an average of eight feet? Would that have satisfied what you had put forward? There was always um, in the zoning a five foot to 15 foot setback requirement. So the five is there. However, the objective design standards allowed for average 
to allow for greater flexibility. So there was a there was always an underlying um, five foot minimum, but then in addition there was this average. Yes, and I'm going to invite Chris Sensenig. Would you like to elaborate on that? Uh, yes. So in, in the case of the eight foot average, which was for three story buildings or frontage court buildings. There was also an absolute minimum. I believe it was six feet. And then for the sections that allowed an average of 10 feet, there was an absolute minimum of eight feet. Okay. So for and that, so you could go up to the absolute minimum as long as you pushed back beyond the, the average point. So you had the average, but the, okay, I see. They were both working together, but essentially it forced some uh, crenellation, shall we say. It forced the building to go in and out a little bit. Is that right? Yes, the minor, the minor break in articulation standards um, are what forced the building to go in and out. And then they could go in and out as much as it wanted, as long as it maintained that average. I'm sorry, does the time run while they're answering to No. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so uh, I have a question for the design team and um, do we pause while they're answering? Okay. Thank you. If I can get a little bit of time back here um, because it wasn't paused through the last one. Uh, my question is the need for flexibility. Is that primarily for the affordable buildings or is it also like really pressingly necessary across the whole project? Um, I think that we we actually haven't implemented any design changes yet associated with these proposed amendments because we didn't know if they were going to be approved. So I don't we haven't really studied too much like where we would push and pull uh, based on the changes that you you might adopt today. I will say that in general, um, the affordable housing sites are much, much tighter uh, and we're having a hard time getting everything to fit. Um, so it's those are likely the place that we would that we might use some of the things that you're considering adopting today, uh, whereas there's a little bit more space around the afford uh, the market rate housing. The project that you have conceptually, I know it's not the actual proposal. <clears throat> I assume the pro that project works, right? I mean, so the idea of making changes to it is just like, oh, all of a sudden there's maybe the possibility of different things, but what you have already proposed, doesn't it have some of these breaks and and um, facade uh, changes? Yeah, it does. So, so you I were think. able to make something work already. Yeah, it doesn't. I think there's, you know, it gets down to the details. I think there are some units that are, some apartments that are compromised with maybe less than generous be bedrooms that we might have, or we might be one or two apartments short here or there on different phases. And so we're hopeful that the changes that you adopt today will allow us to pick back some of that stuff up that we've lost as we've been working through the design. Would you imagine doing a sort of radical redesign with these changes or is it more a little nip and tuck? Uh, definitely nip and tuck. Uh, I think it would take a really uh, sharp eye to notice the difference in the approved drawings because it's really minor changes that we're talking about. And are you considering more major changes or bigger changes for the affordable buildings? Um, 
Yeah, most of the changes that we're talking about here would affect the affordable buildings. Okay. Is that something that you would be able to sort of say, like, that's a commitment? I that 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 your intent is that that you would not sort of completely redesign what is what you already have for the market rate, um, but that you might have more significant changes coming. It looks like your pal here wants yeah, to I, I wants to I, cut I, in above my pay grade. <laughs> Again, Jonathan Stern. So, as a development team, we are planning just to the record, planning on leading with affordable applications for state funding. And that we are planning on uh, it, it. That is how we're planning on leading these. And we were concerned, especially about these break provisions for affordable units, because they have larger floor plates with two and three bedrooms and are harder to sort of shoehorn in those major breaks as written. And that's where we would be seeking this additional relief we got from Planning Commission. Okay, so there's no plan to kind of completely redo the, there, there the no market rate elements. I, what I heard was maybe Maybe there's a few little improvements that can be made here and there, but there's no plan to completely redesign that. Given that time is of the essence and speed of, of getting to applications for state funding, we are moving quickly and are not going to redesign. Yeah, thank you. Let's pause it. Pause the... Okay, we're still in session for the three o'clock special meetings. So if people can please take their seats quietly, we'd very much appreciate it. Okay, please continue. Okay, I'm going to speak a little louder and hopefully the answers get a little louder too. Um, <sighs> Once again, if people can please let us continue our business for the three o'clock special meeting. Yes, yeah, so people can please take their seats quietly. Once again, we are still in our special meeting. If people can please take their seats quietly. Once again, if people can please stop interrupting the meeting and please take your seats quietly. Okay, I'd like to ask planning staff if they can define for me what ornamentation is and how they're going to measure what percentage of a facade has ornament. I'm sorry, if members of the public can please stop interrupting the meeting. We're still in our three o'clock special meeting. I'm asking the public to please come to order. Please stop interrupting our meeting. Okay, we're gonna take a five minute recess. Recording stopped.
Okay. The city council is back in session. I'd like to ask members of the public to please stop disrupting the meeting. The council cannot conduct business of this meeting due to the continued disruption of members of the audience who are yelling, chanting, interrupting our proceedings. I'd like to ask- Recording in progress. So we can continue with the rest of our meeting. So, um, Councillor Bartlett, I'm gonna go to you and we can come back to Han. <laughs> it seems so uh, boring now, pedestrian now, so to speak. I was gonna say the, the, uh, the I just landed at Esprit Bart Station uh, last week, finally, after all these years, nearly a decade of negotiations, we landed um, an agreement between Bart and the city regarding the Esprit Bart Village. Uh, really amazing work. The community helped drive it and we shaped and we landed and there were compromises along the way. Uh, and so, you know, in that process, and this is regarding our comments tonight, uh, I do, I'm, you know, I understand the community members and your, your efforts to, to, to moderate the design. And then on the other hand, you know, the flexibility to make it work is, is integral to it. Uh, it's just difficult uh, on the dais to, to legislate to the nuances of architecture. Uh, it's very difficult uh, and probably not within our purview. Um, so I was going to say that, and thank you, Councilor um, Wani, for helping land this through the years. Um, so let's look forward to hear more discussion. Thank you. Council Member Hahn. Okay, thank you. So my question for staff was about ornament. What is the definition of ornament, and how are we going to measure so that we know there's at least 5%? Uh, Council Member Hahn, the description of the ornamental, and I can I can read it. Um, it is in the draft objective design standards as subsection 2.2.5, the ornamental facade alternative. Shall I go ahead and uh, read what that is? Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, in lieu of meeting the major or minor break requirements. Sections 2.2.3 and 2.2.4, ornamentation must be provided such that it covers 5% of the area of a building facade. Ornamentation is defined as any exterior articulation, such as projections, recesses, columns, banding, fins, decorative molding, trim, artistic inlays or reliefs, cornices or sculptures with a minimum depth of eight inches, or decorative tile or murals. Ornamentation must deviate in color and or material from the wall material behind it or be constructed from brick, stone, ceramics, metal, wood, tile, or fiber cement board. Ornamentation shall not include built up stucco trim or molding also known as plantons. And also in the definition of the, um, the definition section, of the ODS uh, facade is defined. And where did, where did that come from? Since that wasn't in, in staff's original proposal, was that drawn from something uh, out there in the world somewhere? So we took the direction from uh, Commissioner Tu, and in order to ensure that it had enough detail to um, be an objective standard, we added those details and also um, uh, made sure that our um, 
our draft definition met the intent of Commissioner Twu and, and uh, conferred with him. Okay, but that definition didn't go back to the Planning Commission? The Planning Commission directed us to implement the changes to revise the draft ODS pursuant to the um, changes that came from the public comment as well as from the handout that Commissioner Twu, um, Commissioner Twu circulated. Okay. Um, I guess would a, would a um, window, you know, like a, a window sill, like trim around the window count? Um, it does mention, it does mention trim. So that's something that, I mean, we'd have to look at, you know, what the application, um, you know, uh, the, the submitted application was to see, see, you know, what they were proposing as the ornamentation, but so the definition does mention that trim. Just windows with trim around them would be, would qualify. I, I'm truly trying to understand how this would operate, and I'm, I do have concerns about it. I am trying to unmute myself. Um, so Please, the trim does... Councilmember Hahn has the floor. Sorry, the trim, in terms of the trim, um, thank you for, I just noted, you know, pointed out that that requirement has to have a minimum depth of eight inches. So that is typically um, more than what you'll find um, on window trim. But if it met that that requirement, I could see your point. Okay. And so like tile would not be flat. It would be tile that was protruding or how would the tile be eight feet in depth? Sorry, the, the, the clause about tile or murals is outside of the eight inch recess depth. So that does not apply to tile or a mural. Okay. Separative tile. And, and you feel that you will have the tools you need to measure this? Um, the as I know, I'm I often hear from the planning department that um, the standards that we adopt need to be simplified. And um, I certainly know in the past there have been things I've wanted to see happen on a variety of different. Uh, things that we've adopted when when that's been what I've been told, like it's not workable, it's too much work for staff, and we it's not something that we're able to actually implement. And and so I'm trying to be mindful here of things that you all have raised many times in the past. How are you going to do this? We did confer with Let's projects. Take, staff. A, take one second. Thank you, everyone, for coming tonight. People can please quietly enter the boardroom. We're still a uh, in our 3 p.m. special meeting. I, I do appreciate the consideration, Councilmember Hahn. And, and it is, I want to admit, it's potentially challenging. We did confer with uh, closely with project staff as well as the city attorney's office to try to land on this language to implement the direction from the Planning Commission in a way that's both objective and implementable. Okay. Um, so then uh, I guess... Ultimately, uh, just a couple more questions for the development group. Sorry, that's a little distracting. We see more than you do, <laughs> but if you could step forward. Uh, 
Yeah, thank you. So so the the few things that that the neighborhood concerns have raised are really very very few. Um it's um the uh the 5 foot setback without sort of the mechanism that pushes for um insets and I don't even know what to call them. I call it crenellation, but that's not the right word. Um someone needs to come up with a good word for this. I uh, then the um the 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 length of the facade that does or does not need breaks um the the um do those three things primarily of interest for you just for the for the for some flexibility around the affordable building so primarily for the affordable building specifically the breaks Again, the the massing of an affordable building inside the two and three story units make them difficult to plan out precisely, and there is still a concern about expense going directly to affordable units based on the requirements for major breaks. Got it. So those three are really more about the affordable building, and I, to repeat what we already went through, but there have been some interruptions. Um, my understanding then is that that you are primarily looking at those for the affordable buildings and that you are not thinking of some kind of major redesign um, either on the length of the facades between breaks or on the um, setbacks those those details you are most interested in the flexibility for the affordable buildings that is correct we're primarily concerned with getting a funding application in for affordable units okay um, and then on the ornament piece, is that also something that you are interested in looking at to uh, substitute some of those breaks for ornament on the whole project? Or is that also primarily of interest for the um, affordable? Primarily of interest for the affordable. Okay. I um, I very much appreciate that. And thank you for that clarity. Um, uh, the only other questions I have are for staff, which is around enforceability. What are the mechanisms that we have um, available now or potentially have available to um, do everything we can to ensure that the objective design standards uh, will end up being enforced? I know there's some language about that in the MOU, um, but I'm wondering if there's any other place um, or mechanism that we have. Sure. Thank you, Councilmember Hahn. I can speak to that. Uh, so, firstly, in our authority as uh, you know, as the Planning and Development Department, we will review any application that comes in for compliance with these objective design standards, as well as the zoning. Uh, we also, have, as you have noted, have an agreement with BART in which they committed to enforce the or require co compliance, require their development partner to comply with the ODS as long as they meet certain standards, uh, specifically that they didn't, that as long as they do not reduce the overall de development capacity established via AB 2923. Um, and then, and we did receive a letter from BART staff uh, confirming that the draft ODS do meet that standards. They did note in that letter that uh, requiring the development partner to comply would not mean that they would prevent their development partner from taking advantage of any waiver or concession that they might be entitled to under state density bonus law. And 
we know that these projects, given that they expect to provide 50% of, uh, of the units uh, as affordable, we know the project will be eligible for a state density bonus. And so they will have the capacity to uh, take advantage of waivers and concessions to uh, avoid compliance with some of the ODS if they choose to take advantage of that. Uh, so that's that, you know, that's enforcement uh, in its capacity as an affordable housing funder. The city could also seek to leverage its funding commitment to the project to require compliance with the objective design standards. And, uh, and that be coming subsequent to the submission of the project. The project will already have been submitted, right? When we are when that when that comes before us. That, that's correct. As 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 Mr. Stern noted earlier, we we expect that the uh, project team will submit their entitlements package, which includes more detail about the project and whether it complies with the ODS or whether it seeks to take advantage of waive, waivers or concessions in January. And we expect uh, that HHCS will be bringing forward an item to city council regarding a fund, the you know, a council approval of the remainder of the affordable housing funding in spring of 2024. Okay. So we'll already know the level of compliance when that comes before us. Okay. That's correct. All right. Well, it's not a perfect world, that's for sure. Um, yep. Okay. Once again, please stop interrupting our meeting. We are still in our three o'clock special meeting. We're not at we're not at our regular meeting yet. Councilor Han has the floor. Yeah. Thank you. I think um, the questions I have have been answered. I really appreciate the commitments, or I don't want to call them commitments, the statements that the design team and the, the development team has made here. Um, I, I do not believe that they are seeking a full redesign. Um, and I think they understand that um, that, that, would, that would not be well received. <laughs> I don't think it would be well received anywhere. Um, and so I hope that these um, extra allowances are used um, only in the most sparing way out of necessity, if they're used at all, so that we can maintain the trust with the community. Um, I am open to, to requiring these, but I, 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 I also uh, appreciate the commitments, the statements. Councilmember Harrison. Mr. Stern, I have another question for you. You knew this was going to happen. Come on. <laughs> yes, it's your exercise day. Um, so you're saying that this main issue of the articulation is on Sacramento, the affordable housing buildings, correct? Correct. And they front Sacramento, correct? Correct. What I don't like about the statement in this right now is it says, the amendment requires that facades with ornaments on 5% shall eliminate requirements to have any breaks. I want a clear statement. That means on that facade. What I'm looking for is if you're saying it's mainly the affordable housing building where we need this flexibility. And if we do the ornamentation, it's an alternative. That's fine. If we do the alternative on those, so we don't have the breaks, the neighbors live across from the other streets. They want the break. Okay. They want the massing break. Can you live with having the ornamentation alternative only for the affordable housing buildings? 
Well, I can only speak for uh, the developers here. We, I, but I think that was our intention. We've heard nothing from our market rate partner about using this provision. Right, and that's yeah okay. Well, I'd like to make an alternate motion, which is to accept subsidy motion. Subsidy motion, which is to accept Councilmember Kesserwani's motion, but to add that the um, on this phrase on seven on ornaments, the amendment would require that facades with ornaments on five percent of the wall on affordable housing build, uh, buildings eliminate requirements to have breaks on those buildings. Okay, is there a second? I, I have a question. Yeah. Um, because I did actually explore that with staff previously. And I wanna know if um, we are able to zone differently for buildings that have different. This is not zoning. We're able to have criteria that are different. Thank you, you're right. Mm -hmm. This is not zoning. This is design standards. Yeah, so is that something allowable? Question because I- Question uh, or Mr. Klein? I did ask that question. I had the same thought. Yeah. City attorney or I yeah, guess. I think the city attorney. Yeah. The question is, um, I think this is a planning uh, issue, though. I don't think so. It's not a legal issue. No. Oh. So legally, we could have different standards in design standards um, for affordable versus market rate portions of a development. OK, but I don't know. I think I would defer to um, Mr. Klein for Mr. any Klein or Ms. Shen. I mean, operationally, we could do it if there's no if there's no legal reason that we can't do it. Operationally, we could do it. Okay, can you restate your alternative motion? <laughs> yes, on the ornamentation, it would say that we would accept the amendment to require that facades with ornaments on five percent of the wall shall eliminate requirements to have breaks on those facades in the affordable housing buildings, and may exceed the maximum of one material. Okay, I will second that so that we can see where that goes. And then I had a further uh, question. It seems like we cannot do the attendant funding attachment, but I just want everyone to know I intend to do that. When this comes back to us, you'll have done your plans. We'll see the plans and whatever design standards we have, you'll be sticking with those and then we'll go ahead and approve the funding. But I intend to tie that funding to seeing that you've stuck with what you promised today. But there's, I can't make a motion out of that. So those are my comments. Thank you. Okay, let's proceed to a vote. We have a substitute motion from Councilor Hahn, that Harrison, uh, Councilor Harrison, seconded by Councilor Hahn, um, that was just stated with that one amendment. Let's call the roll. Okay, uh, Councilmember Kesarwani, no. Taplin, no. Bartlett, no. Harrison, yes. Hahn, yes. Wengraf, yes. Robinson, no. Humbert, no. And Mayor Arrigi, no. Okay. Motion, motion fails. It's called yeah. the roll on the main motion. On the main motion, uh, to accept as written in the sub two, Councilmember uh, Kesserwani? Yes. Taplin? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Harrison? Abstain. Hahn? Yes. Wengraf? Yes. Robinson? Yes. Humber? Yes. And Mayor Arrigi? Yes. Okay. Okay, the motion carries. I move to adjourn the 3 p.m. special meeting. Is there second. a second? Second. Roll. Uh, to adjourn, Council Member Kesserwani? Yes. Taplin? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Yes. To uh, Harrison? Yes. On? Yes. Wengraf? Yes. Robinson? Yes. Humbert?
Councilmember Humbert to adjourn. Yes. And yeah. Mayor Aragui. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So our 3 p.m. special meetings adjourn. Our 6 p.m. regular meeting will start at um, 6 p.m. So we have about 30 minutes until that time. Mr. Clerk, I don't know if there are any housekeeping announcements you need to make before.